Hello, mate. We made it. We made it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Futures Functional Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Waite, and on today's podcast, we have got Andrew Papp. As you've just heard in the little introduction, it took a while for us to get Andrew on the podcast. I missed him, he missed me, he was busy running 100 mile triathlons, not to mention the time difference between the UK and Australia. So I'm just buzzing to have him on. This interview is really motivating, gives you loads of good content. It goes really in depth on what you can take away from the podcast today and implement in your life. And if anyone can beat Andrew on the workout at the end, I have promised to give you a special prize. So send us your times in and I'll come up with the prize. Let's, let's get straight on with the interview now, and I hope you enjoy. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. We finally got you on after a few months of pestering you. I oh, know, I oh, know. Thanks so much, man. It has been a debacle, but look, we're here, and I'm ready to go. Sweet, no worries. Um, so, firstly, when someone comes on the podcast, we always ask them, how did their training journey start? So could you give us an idea on how, like, the first time you stepped into a gym or picked up a weight? Yeah, of course. I mean, for me, uh, being uh, being active has always been a part of my life uh, from an early age. Just uh, whether it was at school, I, I surfed from a young age, playing sports, um, and then it, I probably didn't get, get serious about it until I hit about 16, 17 years old. I got more competitive in my sports. I started to go to the gym, and then I, uh, I was I was quite competitive at, at athletics as well, uh, track and field. And then um, I ended up going into the military, which taught me a lot uh, about you know how far I could push myself um, and what um, true durability and, and the true nature of physicality meant. Uh, and then uh, after that, mate, I uh, I think when I left the military, I just always wanted to seek something that was going to challenge myself, uh, push myself beyond my limits and um, and teach other people how to do the same. And I've de- developed a lot since then. Um, but that's essentially, I mean, I guess, you know, from competing in 250-kilometer uh, ultra marathons in the desert to uh, triathlons to 48-hour adventure races to, to, to uh, mountain bike races, it, everything you can think of I've pretty much done. And uh, it's, there's, it's a long story behind it. There's a lot of true meaning behind it, just besides that pushing yourself. Um, and I do go quite in-depth in it, and it's really important to me. So that's why I'm passionate about it. Okay, cool. So firstly, let's start off with um, what sports did you do? Mate, I, was, uh, I started surfing from a uh, young age of six. It's something we do in Australia. Nice. Uh, being surrounded by... Uh, I guess warmer oceans than what you're handling uh, in the UK, um, and then I also just played basketball uh, and football as well. Uh, not soccer, sorry. So uh, uh, rugby union uh, was something that was quite competitive at my school, uh, and I also competed at a high level uh, in uh, uh, the track. So I'll be looking at 100, 200, 400 meters. Um, I just, I guess, I was always uh, geared towards being fast and explosive. Um, and that was sort of my role throughout, I guess, my sporting um, background. But however, that sort of changed as I as I got older. So, um, was there any one sport in particular that you focused on, or was it just 
you just attack them all at the same time? Yeah, I, I guess I never really, uh, I never really pursued anything at a hundred percent, which might be, you know, it might be an unfortunate thing. I just, I enjoyed, uh, you know, sort of dabbling in, in different sports, being in, in, in different teams, and also having that team focused. Uh, aspect and also the individual aspect as well when you're thinking about surfing and thinking about um, sprinting like you know on the track so I enjoyed both dynamics so yeah I never really got stuck into the one discipline okay cool so was when you were training for them sports it was just like for instance surfing was just getting on the board and just going for it there was when like there was no gym side of it yeah that's right it was it wasn't uh, as serious as it, I, I could have taken it. I wanted to really sort of make something out of it. Uh, it wasn't never really my number one focus. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I studied hard at school and I wanted to get good results in that aspect and I never really thought that um, sport would be a, a future for me. Um, just just wasn't, was never really instilled in me at a young age that that may be the case. So that's, that's why I probably never really took it too serious. So what caused you to go into the army? Just... Well, mate, I got really good grades at school. Um, I just thought Australia had a, a unique um, uh, opportunity at, at the time. It was called the gap year. So essentially once you finish your higher school certificate uh, at the age of 18, uh, I had the opportunity to go into the military as an infantryman, so frontline, uh, for 12 months. Uh, and with, because usually you have to sign up for four to six years. And so it was almost a try before you buy a scheme. And I thought to myself that I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do at university. Um, I had a few friends that were sort of thinking about joining the military at the same time. And I thought, you know, this would be a unique opportunity to, to do things that you wouldn't be able to experience in a normal day setting. And uh, I jumped into it, mate. And I thought, and it was the best thing I've ever done. So how did that change you as a person and your fitness? Korea. Mm. Uh, big time had a huge influence on me. Uh, I think I took the best out of you could, uh, the best you can get from the military. I really thrived in a team environment. I worked well within structure. I had good discipline, and it strengthened my discipline. Um, and it taught me a lot about you know leadership uh, and uh, uh, group dynamics and how to communicate to different individuals to get the best and most from them. Uh, how to get the most from yourself um, and, and you know, achieving things that would be hard to achieve in a normal setting, uh, whether it's, you know, days and days without sleep or, you know, being on, on your feet for, for 24, 48 hours. Um, these are the type of things that I guess I built this resilience, durability, understanding myself and other people, and that sort of transcended into, you know, me being a trainer, uh, an athlete, uh, and understanding uh, the mind, the power of the mind. I'm sure being in the army to what your life is like now is a completely different story, isn't it? Because I've just seen you've just been away training in the nicest places in the world on the uh, like the, is it called an escape, a fitness retreat? Yes, yeah, yeah. active escapes. Yeah, yeah. that's why. Right. It's it's completely different. My life has transformed in the past five years. Um, you know, it's complete contrast. Uh, you know, all all the lessons and values that I learned in the military, um, they all still have meaning and weight into what I'm doing now. Even though 
it's a completely different practice. Uh, but it's been a, a, a slow, evolving change. Um, when I got out of the military, I pursued to become a paramedic. And uh, in that time, uh, in training, I was uh, running, um, uh, I guess, free group classes, outdoor training classes for anyone to come along to. I used to get two, three nights a week of you know, 20, 30 guys to arrive and used to train with me. And because uh, I wanted to share the camaraderie that I had in the military with these outsiders, the civilians. And um, that was very military-focused, very push-hard. This is how we do things. Um, and, uh, you know, from the, from the mentality I had as a trainer and an individual then to where I'm at now, only five years later, it's, uh, it's, completely, it's completely changed. It's chalk and cheese. Um, and it's developed. Uh, it's, it has deep roots in the military. Um, in my past and things that I've learned, but it's, it's evolved to something where it's suited to people from all walks of life and it's focusing on things that resonate with everybody, uh, whether it's within the fitness industry or not, um, and, to, and it's to more about um, you know training smarter rather than harder and getting the most from yourself. So it's a, it's a combination of many things. What would you class your training as, style as? What? Mm. That's it's uh it's difficult to uh I guess it'd be difficult to um to channel it as something you know if, you know it's not bodybuild esque type training it's you know you hear this word functional get thrown around a lot the thing that bothers me about training uh, you know the word functional I think the great thing about it is when people hear functional they think of the same thing which is which is a great thing. However, what I find is if you are training with dysfunction, it's not functional. You're right. You're further, you know, um, you're further sort of, uh, I guess, grooving that dysfunction into a point where one day it will manifest itself into, you know, an injury or a problem. So to me, functional training is almost uh, correcting our asymmetries and our dysfunctions that we have through our movement patterns and and day-to-day habits. Um, However, I guess if you look at my training as a a whole, it's something that's a bit of a hybrid. You know, we're looking at developing your strength. We're looking at ensuring that you're moving well and we're ensuring that you have the capacity to have the aerobic and anaerobic conditioning to, to have the output, the engine to continue and have that endurance. So it's a bit of everything. Um, it's a bit of a mongrel, I could say, a mongrel hybrid. Uh, you, you know, if you're training like this, you'll never be the best at one thing. How will you be competent across the board? And I think a lot of people um, like that, the idea of that. Um, you know, they, they to, to, to be the best and the elite in one facet, you've got to commit uh, everything to it. Uh, however, if you want to be, if you want to be able to scale a mountain, swim across an ocean, run the distance, and lift a certain particular weights or loads, that to me sounds more enticing for my personal lifestyle. And I think for other people too. I think that's a running thing that we've had on the podcast. A lot of the people we have on are do CrossFit, and I think mm-hmm. CrossFit is for a lot of people too far down one end of the spectrum, and bodybuilding's yep. too far down the other end of the spectrum so a lot of people are going more the way you're training now to get the best of both worlds mm. 
Well, I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, fitness, your training is meant to uh, give you a certain outcome or it's meant to serve your life. And if you, have, if you want to have a lifestyle that's outdoors or, or achieving something, uh, rather than, you know, doing set after set inside a gym, then it, the, the type of training has to facilitate that. So, you know, we've all been there, well, me in particular, you know, training uh, hypertrophy and focusing on muscular development uh, and, you know, doing the supersets and doing the time under tension and working in the gym. And then you go out and you try to experience something that's, you know, might be hiking, it might be a bit of running or whatever, and you suffer. You know, all this effort I'm doing to look a certain way or I'm training a certain way, but it's not transcending into the activities and the lifestyle I want to lead. And I think uh, when we're thinking about health as well, I think that's where people are starting to shift their pursuits. Big biceps won't get you up that mountain, will they? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is, like, what is the fitness culture like in Australia? Are a lot of people doing a similar thing to you, a similar style of training, or is everyone bodybuilders or crossfitters? Mm. It's, a, it's actually a quite a mix in Australia. Uh, I think um, there is a, a, definitely a, um, a definite movement where people are becoming more health-focused. Uh, getting, we're getting more of the general pop involved with training, with uh, group training, um, uh, franchises popping up everywhere. Uh, everyone, you know, I guess hit is quite a big thing uh, and uh, because it's, you know, it's time – it's time sensitive. People have jobs. People just want to get in and out, and they don't have to think about what they're doing. Just get it done. Uh, I think it's you know some of these franchises have, have exploded, and um, you know you can do, agree or disagree with their their methodologies and, and how they police the the individuals coming into their training and how they're executing it. But however, I think they've done more good than harm. Um, I think I do think that they have a short lifespan. Uh, if you're trying to get people coming to your gym, don't teach them how to move properly. Just show them an exercise, and they've got to complete the exercise as hard as they can in a certain time frame, and, and rinse and repeat. And then they just do it day in day out, trying to redline it every day. You know, it's going to eventually. You know, someone's going to come unstuck. Whether their movement's poor, um, they don't. There's no particular programming in there no structure no purpose behind what they're doing and they'll realize they're going in circles so either they get injured first or they get they get over they're doing the same thing um or uh, you know they're not getting upskilled or uh you know they're not getting their results so it's a bit of a uh you know people walk in do their time and walk out and try to find the next thing so i mean at least people are moving uh, crossfit is there's definitely a strong crossfit presence here uh, and I th however, I think you're right. Uh, you're crossing bodybuilding, but however, I think you're right. But people are stepping more into this functional realm of uh, you know of wanting to be able to have certain performance markers to chase, not only just looking at the aesthetics. I think uh, it keeps people entertained because, like you're saying, people go in the gym and they don't do the exercises right. But doing the exercises right is part of part of it. And it's part of learning. It's part. Of, it's making sure you're accountable to yourself. And then you're doing fitness, and you're doing. You're, you're trying to look a bit better. And it's the whole thing together that keeps you entertained and want to carry on doing it, rather than just seeing it as a sweat and losing a bit of weight. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's really hard, mate, because uh, there's so many different demographics and populations to, to, to try to cater to. Uh, you know, we've got a big movement of boutique gyms popping up around Australia, especially the cities. Uh, you know, they've got neon lights, they've got music. Um, you know, there's all this there's buzz and excitement around like a nightclub type of Tokyo Vice City looking um, uh, environment, and it's 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 exciting. And it's great. Uh, however, if people aren't learning uh, what they're doing and why they're doing it, uh, I think that becomes problematic. Um, and, and 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 you know, like you can only be on a high for so much. You need more than just someone yelling at you. To, to keep going and uh, you're talking about accountability that's something that gets can get lost in a group environment uh, quite quickly and so setting certain standards and teaching people why they shouldn't cut corners and why they need to do things the way that we've prescribed and a B and C I think that's where people get the most out of their out of their training also if someone's shouting at you for like an hour a day do the 23 hours what you, you're probably gonna be doing the wrong things because someone isn't there shouting at you? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, uh, it's it's funny you know, how to get the most from people. Uh, if you yell every single time you open your mouth, it becomes white noise, yeah. right? If I was speaking to a conversation and I was speaking softly and then all of a sudden I raise my voice, I, I'm going to get your attention. You know, and that's that's what that's the that's the understanding you know of pitch and tone and volume when you when you communicate to others, especially as a trainer, you 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 know you change those parameters when you need something from an individual. Otherwise, if you're just yelling and clapping and you know you're just a glorified timekeeper saying three, two, one, go, you got a team, let's go, and you repeat yourself fifty times in a session, it loses its substance and meaning. So that's an, it's and like you said. Not everyone wants to be yelled at. So you really have to understand who you're training as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what are your fitness goals now? Well, mate, I uh, was training for a 100-mile, which is a 160-kilometer trail run in Utah, America this year. Uh, however, there was complications with getting registered for the event. So that, that fell through, uh, unfortunately, even though I did training for it. Um, I did complete a new, uh, the, the world's biggest triathlon uh, in North Queensland, so the <coughs> northeast coast of Australia. And that was a couple of days ago. Um, but now I've booked myself uh, in, a, in a racing event uh, in France, in the French Alps, 80 kilometers, um, which will be in June next year. So just sort of working on my endurance. Um, I've developed quite good endurance over the years, so. I don't stress out too much about it. However, there's certain elements that I wanted to always grow and, and develop. Um, but just the, the, the mere fact that I had the opportunity to travel the world um, and have the sponsors who are, you know, are gracious enough to help me get there and and uh, see the world and do what I love is uh, something that makes it easy, mate, to train for things like that. So people will probably be listening to this and you're talking about 100-mile challenges and... They're looking at a picture of you and going, how can he, how, how's he an endurance athlete? Because obviously you're quite a big guy. How do you keep, how do you keep your muscle and looking good when you're doing your 100, 100 mile triathlons? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, uh, really it's a it's a balance. You know, you want to have periodization in your training, where you know you'll you'll have a you know a six to eight week block focusing whether it be uh, hypertrophy or strength, um, and uh, you sort of just uh, maintain some sort of cardio uh, fitness, um, and then then you'll go then you'll sort of ramp up your you know, your cardio training for whatever event it may be, but you still have elements of strength training and hypertrophy in there. So like I said, Sam, I'm never going to be uh, competing at the front line for for these endurance events, nor will I ever be able to come go to a powerlifting meet and come first either. But if I can do good in both, that's fine because, you know, I enjoy um, still being strong and still being functional, um, still be able to push myself in that element then also go and run an ultra marathon and not have injuries and, and do a good job of it. Sometimes I suppose you might not be ahead of the powerlifters and you might not be first in the race, but you're doing something that the people who are first in the race and the people who are first in the powerlifting aren't doing, which is both. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that, that's, so you're yeah. more of like the ultimate athlete. Even though you're not first in any in any category, let's move on to uh, business. So, what what is it you do on your three six five program, for instance, with your clients? Yeah, 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 absolutely, mate. Um, well, I've always wanted to do something that was scalable uh, to go, you know, global, um, because I really enjoy training groups and and face to face. Uh, however, all of a sudden, I started to gain some sort of traction uh, online, uh, you know, through social media, and uh, it was a, just a really funny. I, I, I can't really recall the the time where, you know, people were like, oh, that's that guy from Instagram. Like, I never really, re- I can't really recall a time where it was like, I'm just posting for fun to the point. Of, oh, actually, people are listening to me, and like, oh crap, I, this is actually. Um, uh, something that not necessarily monetize, but it's a business in terms of it can market my ideas and thoughts and, and push people in directions where that I hope that would benefit them. So that 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 whole transition, you know, I feel like I, I sort of stumbled into it, um, and it's a, you know, we're in that time now where well, I'm at the age where you know I'm not too old to sort of not understand how it works, but if I if I sort of came into the industry now, we know that social media is a must, right, to a, to a degree. So for me, it was, it was a weird transition, but business-wise, you know, opening up the 365 was always my passion to to not only wanting to show people different methodologies of training and how to structure their training correctly and how to keep people accountable um, and how to, to work with their nutrition and show them different things with nutrition. But the main focus for me was about creating a program that differs from others in terms of being more real and genuine, you know, getting out of the whole, you know, join my 30-day booty builder buster whatever or get shredded in five days. Like um, this to me was a focus on your associations to yourself, your environment, the world you live in and and your training and nutrition because for myself personally, Sam, I've had – unhealthy associations with training and nutrition and uh, whether I used to you know deprive myself from certain foods I used to uh, you know punish myself in my training if I you know if I went out on the weekend or I overindulged and I had this unhealthy um, balance and uh, 
it was really hard for me to get around that because I had this you know, almost a uh, muscle dysmorphia. I used to look in the mirror and see something that was distorted, that, that wasn't true. And, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, I, was, I was essentially serving a sentence to my, my uh, nutrition and my training. And I needed to get out of that. And I understand that a lot of us, to a degree, are along that spectrum. Um, and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, motivation because everyone's always seeking motivation. Like, give me some motivation, Pat. What do I need to be motivated? And I try to get them out of that thought process. I'm like thinking, okay, well, you have an Olympic athlete who's trained to be the world's best. They're at one end of the spectrum. And then you have someone who's suffering with bulimia or anorexia. They're on the other end of the spectrum, but they're both equally as motivated, I would say. Yeah. But they're going two different directions. And it's about identifying where along that spectrum are you, uh, why are you pursuing you know, what you're doing. And if you're pursuing it in a, in a way that uh, you know, it's in a healthy process and if, you have, if you've got to start to develop and retrain those thought processes so that they begin to serve you rather than you serving them. And that's why I call it 365. It's not essentially training 365 days a week. It's about having the right headspace every single day and, and going the right direction along that spectrum, one foot in front of the other. I always say on the podcast that you see people in the gym and they're training like a, like a physique model. And the next minute they're in Mackey's or they don't wanna they don't wanna go to the gym. And it's because that they're training like a physique model, but they don't wanna be a physique model. Realistically, they just wanna they, they just wanna have a normal life, they wanna lose a bit of weight, they wanna they wanna feel a bit better in their clothes. But they're trying to push themselves five, six times a week, doing an hour of chest on a Monday, legs on a Tuesday, back on a Wednesday. Um and it's like it's not something that you can stick to for a, a number of of weeks or months or years. And it's the same with the um, the fitness models who go on the twelve week cuts and the next minute they put a load of weight on afterwards. It's mm. it's more about finding something that you're you can stick to for the three hundred and sixty five days a year, like you've just said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's- it's, uh, it's really about, you know, we're quite finite beings. Uh, if I was to say to all your listeners, hey, guys, I've got a program. It's going to change your life. It's a, it goes for 70 years, and it's going to be the best thing you've ever done. You know, it, you can't wrap your head around it. It's, you think 70 years, I, I, I don't know where to start. You know, we're, we need to have, uh, we can't think infinite. We can't think too long term, and that's why these 30-day programs, six-week, 12-week, whatever it may be, they suit us. But the reason why they suit us is that we're now we're a now society. We need things now. I need the fastest phone. I need the fastest connection. I need to do things yesterday. And there's nothing wrong with wanting things uh, quickly. It's how it's just you need to earn these things and make sure that it's sustainable. And what I talk about associations to everything is that, you know, I was only speaking this, about this recently, is that it's, it's healthy to aspire to be, to get somewhere and, and to do something and be someone, that's fine. But you need to be happy and grateful for what you have now. Because if you think that, hey, my name's Andrew, I'm aspiring to do this in 12 weeks' time, I'm, I'm not going to be happy until I get to this goal. 
you're going you're going to make all these dramatic cuts and take these shortcuts and changes, drastic changes to get there because you're so fixated on that end goal, you forget who you are and you don't not happy with who you are and you'll do anything to get there and you'll get there and you still won't be happy because you haven't addressed the issue that you know. Let's let's start focusing on the person you are. What are the things that you should be grateful for? What are the things that you have? You have you know you have your hundred percent of your health. You've got hundred percent of your mental and physical health. That's something that we need to all start to appreciate. You know, you, you're an individual. You have your own way of thinking and doing things. That's something that should be celebrated, not ignored or not trying, not pressured to be changed. And uh, I think understanding the power of individuality and, um, and if you can appreciate that, then people will sort of take stock and slow things down to reach a certain goal. Um, because, you know, if we're trying to reach a certain goal, why are we trying to reach that goal? If we really sort of get into the nitty-gritty of it, maybe it's because, you know, we don't feel that we uh, we don't feel that we are, uh, you know, are cool enough to hang out with certain people or, you know, we need validation from our outsiders to feel like that we're, we're important or we're special. And so I feel like you need to change from the inside out. And I always I think... I get pretty deep here, sorry. No, that's, no hey, it's all good. Uh, I always think that people look negatively on fitness because they're like, oh, I can't be bothered going, I've got to go to the gym tonight, I've got to do this tonight. But if you just change the your outlook on it and just go, I can't wait to go to the gym tonight. I can't, if people hate burpees, I can't wait to do my burpees tonight. It just changes something in your head and you just, you're just more willing to do it rather than, uh, rather than not looking forward to it and then not enjoying it and possibly not even doing it then. Yeah, well, that's again, that's what you associate fitness to. So some people associate it to like sweat, effort. It's it's hard. Um, you know, it's a certain stress that they're not accustomed to. They haven't seen the benefits from. But if you've done it for some time, you you see the benefits. You're like, I feel good. I look better. I'm happier. Get the endorphins. I've got the community and all these things that give you the, these reasons to to look past those initial handbrake friction moments of going, oh, it's tough, oh, it's hard, I'd rather not go and stay by myself at home or whatever it may be. Um, so understanding the purpose behind the pain is crucial to continue to push through those barriers and those friction points going, you know what, I know this is a bit of suffering here, but the benefit is this because I understand the purpose. More learning to enjoy the journey rather than the destination. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Okay, cool. So, um, what? Firstly, what exciting things have you got coming up over the next few months? Or are you relaxing now? Uh, yeah, mate. I've, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been. I, I haven't been home much this year, and my fiance is going to kill me. <laughs> I've just been away month after month, um, which is you know, it's been amazing. And uh, I honestly thought that, you know, November, December would be a quiet time, but it, it, it's picked up to be quite, quite, uh, quite full on. So I'm, I'm going away for 21 days with uh, a company uh, from the States and they sort of specialize in, you know, um, treadmills and different sort of gym apparatus, cardiovascular apparatuses. And you know, those treadmills that have the big screens on them yeah. uh, and you can watch TV. So this particular company, they, they get people from all around the world to 
to lead the participant through like iconic uh, landscapes and running tracks or racing tracks or whatever uh, around the world. So they're they're coming to Australia and we're going around 21 days in, in beautiful locations around Australia too. And I'm going to be speaking to the camera as we're running. And I'm going to be cueing them on their running and, you know, we're hitting this incline and this is the intensity and talk about the location. So essentially I'll have all these people around the world just following me on these <laughs> cool trails. So it's, it's going to be pretty exciting. Hey, it sounds amazing. It sounds a better idea than watching, uh, yeah. watching the TV. Yeah, or just watching the, the, the metres slowly tick over <laughs> to get your distance. Yeah, watching the seconds go by. Um, and then what are you doing? <laughs> And what are you just having a rest after that for Christmas and then back to it or? Yeah, well, I've got a few days around uh, interstate, just got some work, um, but I'm really sort of, we're coming into the end of the year, so we're really uh, at the tipping point with my 365 program, developing all these mini miniature programs and nutrition guidelines uh, uh, for, for 2019 so you know whether you're doing a, a Spartan obstacle event so in Australia Spartan's quite big and um, what I've developed here is that whoever purchases a Spartan race ticket uh, they'll get a free six-week program uh, from me and it's uh, and a really nice PDF it's informative and all this stuff and you can also go you can also uh, attain the, um, the nutrition guide where it sorts your macronutrients um, you know how many calories you need. Uh, gives you 28 recipes like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and dinner, um, and a bit of sports nutrition on it too. So, you know, anyone, so that's about 50,000 people a year will purchase a ticket, who will get this program, who will then maybe come to the 365 or look at other programs I'm doing. So, I'm essentially doing that same concept with a lot of different brands uh, globally and in domestically. So it's it's a really busy time. Sounds exciting though. It is. I need, to, I need to chill out though and enjoy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to get your girlfriend something big for Christmas so she forgives you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, last two questions. Uh, what key tip can you take, give the listeners to take away and implement today? Mm. I think one of them that's, uh, that's really sort of... Uh, had a profound effect on me is uh, there's two things. First thing is uh, you are always you have the ultimate say in what happens in your life. Oh, maybe, sorry, correction. You don't have the ultimate say in what happens in your life. You have the ultimate say on how you respond to everything in your life. You know, you might there might be tragedy, there might be you know circumstances that you know aren't in your favour. You might be if you've been dealt a bad hand. And, you know, I've got personal experiences made that I wouldn't want to wish upon anyone that I know. Um, However, how you choose to understand those situations, understand how it affects you, but how to then move forward and and rise above. And so much we get sort of plagued with, you know, all these things that sort of start to clear uh start to cloud our judgment and think that you start to become very internalized and think oh poor me i'm dealing with this i'm dealing with that you know so many times i've I've sort of thought about oh shit i'm going through all this stuff and begin to feel sorry for myself and then i have to snap myself out of that you know and you, you you don't want to have to see 
someone on on the in the streets with the, that's in a wheelchair with no legs to then go oh no I'm actually I've got legs I should be should be grateful you need to you don't want to have to see an external uh, stimulant to have that same effect you need to train yourself to think internally and think you know I've got so much to be grateful for and so I teach a lot of my like you know a lot of people I train was stop feeling sorry for yourself like when you're in the middle of training and it's hurting you know it, it everyone is hurting just as much as you are somewhat if not more you know uh, we're all in this together and this you know this this uh, mentality about stop um, you know don't, don't have a sense of entitlement and you know you need to earn things you need to stop feeling very sorry for yourself it sort of helps and you know trying to encourage others rather than feeling sorry for yourself it's sort of all these different aspects help you uh, you know gain a greater perspective and um, so it's the power of choice you always have the choice on how you choose to approach things uh, and that's where that whole gratitude things come that, that gratitude thing comes from so that's probably I know it's a bit of a longer spill than, than you probably wanted that but um, it uh, it's just important to know that um, at the end of the day the buck ends with you and you got to take extreme responsibility of yourself and your actions I think that is the best answer we've ever had for that question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. I'm sure that that like that was very inspiring. I'm sure it'll get a lot of people to uh, to change their opinions on uh, on on how they see themselves. Uh, and then the last question is: What is your favourite workout for the listeners to try and try and keep it below seventy five miles? <laughs> so don't work out yeah 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 so many so many okay something easy but not easy so, but something that's uh, the parameters are quite uh, easy to sort of replicate um, if you get on a treadmill and you can do it as partners as a pair or you can do it on your own and it's called the uh, burpee the bur- bullshit burpee, bullshit burpee. No, I don't know. It's burpee something. Anyways, it's burpee of death. I don't remember, but the the, the point is, you you hop on a treadmill, you set the treadmill at fourteen point five kilometers an hour. That's your pace. You have the incline at four percent up, and you run for sixty seconds. Now, once you complete your sixty seconds, that's the first minute. Right, it's the odd minute. The even minute, you perform two burpees, just two. And you rest the remainder of that minute. So that's, you know, it might take you six, seven seconds to get two burpees. You've got 53 seconds to rest. That's great. Then on the odd minute, minute number three, jump on, execute the same stress. You know, 60 seconds of 14.5 kilometers at 4% incline. Then you come off and you do four burpees. So the trend is obviously the burpees ascend by two right and the running stays the same and eventually it gets to a point where you know you might get 16 burpees out and you've only got 10 seconds rest you got to jump back on the treadmill and do the run and the the i guess the standard is to get 20 20 rounds out so it's 10 efforts on the treadmill and 10 efforts at the burpee so it's two four six eight ten all the way to 20 burpees um i've got up to 28 burpees i've tried i've missed the mark on 30 um but it's really good to do it as, as pairs because you keep each other accountable. You've got to make sure your burpees at a good standard, you know, chest to ground, 
and you got to jump up and like look forward at least, not just a little huddle shit burpee. Um, and that, that's a good test. It's a good test of willpower. It's a good test of cardiovascular fitness and uh, muscular endurance. But it's something really simple, just the one to blow it, blow yourself up with. Hey, if anyone can beat twenty eight birthdays on that, then I'll give them a prize. I'll think of something because twenty eight <laughs> birthdays is serious. I'm gonna have a go with that and see what I get.